0: To the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. And now it's time for story time with Sarah.
1: Yay! Yay! Oh, is this a okay. new segment?
0: This is a new segment, Rachel. Wow, That was like first, first ever. Woohoo! <laughs> first ever story time. And this is actually one that Rachel told me to do. So if you think this is an interesting story, you can thank Rachel. <laughs> and if you hate it, you, you can, can also, well, thank, also Rachel. thank Rachel. <laughs> So we wanted to share stories of interesting Lutheran women that you've probably never heard of.
1: Lutheran women, but also just uh, moments in Lutheran history that have sort of sadly fallen off of everyone's, you know, knowledge base. It's true. Uh, because so many of these stories are so worth telling.
0: Yes, And so the story that I'm going to tell you today is a story full of bravery and danger and war and children and one super strong God-fearing woman. So this is a story about how a, a Lutheran missionary woman saved 22 infant orphans From imminent danger in the middle of the Japanese invasion of China in 1943. I feel like I need a picture book so I can like show you guys a story that's going on. So this not only has the story of a really awesome woman, but also a missionary woman. And if you know me from the coffee hour, I love when we talk to missionaries because they always have fantastic stories. And this is war history, and I'm a bit of a war history nerd. So thank you, Rachel. This is for you. (laughs) So <laughs> entrenched in this story. So, this is the story of Gertrude Anna Simon. She was born in 1900. Uh, she was the oldest of nine children on a farm near, I'm going to probably say this wrong, Zuko, Zucho, Zuchow, Zuchow, mm. Wisconsin. Somebody mm. in Wisconsin, please let me know if I'm saying that Oh, they that will. Wrong. They hmm. probably will. Yeah. Zuko. Okay. Her dad's name, which is really cool, her dad's name was Traugat, which means trust God in German, which seemed like really serendipitous, especially to this story. So she went to a Lutheran grade school, pretty typical Lutheran young girl's life in the early 1900s. Um, She finished uh, school through eighth grade, and then when she finished school, she helped her family on the farm with chores, household chores, did stuff around the farm, but didn't have any extra schooling at that point. Hmm. She taught for a little while, though, because there was a need for teachers in a school, at a, at a church school nearby. So hmm. she went and got training in St. Louis for women teachers, came back, did some teaching at a couple places in Wisconsin. But what she really wanted to do was to be a nurse. So her brother, Martin, went to seminary in St. Louis, and when he went to St. Louis, she came to St. Louis also and enrolled in the nursing school at the oh, Lutheran Hospital, which still yes. exists by the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. There is still the Lutheran mm-hmm. Hospital next to what used to be the, the the original Concordia Seminary down by Concordia Publishing House <laughs> in like the Lutheran part of South City St. Louis. She got her nurse's cap in 1926. And while she was in school there, she got more and more interested in doing medical mission work, which is something that still happens today with our Mercy Medical Teams which is a really cool, really long legacy. But anyway, uh, her brother and his wife went to serve in China. He, as a pastor, of course, went to serve in China doing mission work. And so at that point, she also accepted an assignment to serve there. So she traveled on the SS President Monroe, and she arrived in Han, Han Kao, I think, China. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing these words wrong. On January 4th, 1927, so, hand, how are we going to do this? Hand chow? I feel like I'm commit. Just commit. Hand chow. Yep. It's about a hundred miles southwest of Shanghai and was a central location for missionary work in mainland China. So this is not too far from the from the eastern coast of China. I had to go Google map all of this stuff so that I knew where all of these places are in China because the story that I read kinda like flew through all of these all of these different locations in China. But China is a gigantic place. So It really is. It really is. And in it the story made it sound like she's just like Walked for like a half hour and got to this next place, but no. Mm -mm. Hmm. Anyway, so the political atmosphere in China at this time is very turbulent. Um, And it's a history that I don't remember learning much about in history class. But China during the the 20s, 30s, and 40s was a very turbulent place. Um, The Communist Party and the Nationalist Party were constantly attacking each other and the Chinese and Japanese were also at at odds with each other. So there was a lot of political turmoil, a lot of violence. Hmm. If you search through Chinese war history during the 20s, 30s and 40s, there's uh, so many incidents and massacres mm-hmm. and wars and mm-hmm. just lots of lots of violence. Like I would I would google one incident and it would lead to another incident that Caused that incident, so I would read that incident, and then it, there was something else that had caused that one, and there was just all of this, um, all of this violence. So the Chinese Civil War was fought. Intermittently between 1927 and 1949, and they they paused in their civil war to actually uh, form the Second United Front to fight the Japanese during World War II. Hmm. Um, and at the end of this, in 1949, the Communist Party took control, established the People's Republic of China that we know today. And there's a lot of a lot of history um, during that time period that I don't have time to explain right now because we'd be here for three hours. Um, but if you're interested in in war history and and uh, the history of Asia and China, China Hmm. you should totally go look this up find some books Uh, it's really interesting stuff so anyway in the middle of all this Gertrude arrives in China in 1927 um, and she served in China during all of this conflict Uh, she served she served for 40 years Uh, I didn't write that down 40 years in China and in Hong Kong eventually so very soon after she arrived in nineteen twenty seven, uh, violent incidents caused most of the missionaries to be relocated to Shanghai. Not super far away, but they had to she had to move out pretty quickly after okay. she got there. And not unheard of even today. Not unheard of, of unheard of even no. today. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they were able to return back to Henchou in nineteen twenty eight and she served in a local medical dispensary. Hmm. The next year, nineteen twenty nine, she was assigned to Shaxi, which is over six hundred miles west into inner China. And then two years later in 1931, she was moved again to Enshi, another 300 miles further west into the mountainous uh, inner region of China.
2: Hmm.
0: And Enshi was home to a Lutheran medical clinic and orphanage, which if you think about it, in 1931, there was already an established Lutheran medical clinic and orphanage in inner China, which I'm sure is a story in itself that I didn't research, but that would be really cool to know about too. And later, this was also the home to the famous Flying Tigers, which is some more history that I will get to in a minute. Mm. Um, and she is a beautiful place. I uh, Google mapped it and and did like the you look through the pictures on Google Maps. It's beautiful, yeah. like mountains and trees mm. and waterfalls and uh. It's, I kind of want to go there actually. Mm. Um, <laughs> beautiful, like resort style place nestled in mountains and forests. Um, also kind of remote because it's so far into um, into mainland China. So during her time in Enshi, uh, Gertrude taught sanitation and health habits to create a healthier environment for the children who had lost their mothers in childbirth, and that is what those orphans were—they were they were children who had lost their mothers in childbirth. Mm-hmm. Um, she opened a school for midwives, and more than thirty women enrolled, which was they were surprised at how many women enrolled there. Uh, many of them had come to Enshi as refugees from the Japanese invasion of Mm. China, which was going on during this time. Uh, The Second Sino-Japanese War, which was 1937 to 1945, that was when the Japanese were intensely invading Japan from the east, pushing a lot of refugees into western China. So The capital of China was moved from Beijing in the east to Chongqing in the southwest, very different parts of the country. So Chong like moving
1: our capital from like Washington D C down to like Austin, Texas? Probably
0: even ish? farther. Probably yeah. even farther. Probably like China's all the way across big. the country. Yeah. <laughs> mm. It was a long way. So Chongqing is only about 200 miles southwest of Enshi. So that meant that the Japanese bombers that were flying missions from Japan to Chongqing would fly directly over Enshi. And the Flying Tigers, which I just mentioned a minute ago, they were headquartered in Enshi and they made Enshi an even bigger target. So the Flying Tigers, I thought this was really cool history, the Flying Tigers were the first American volunteer group of the Chinese Air Force in 1941 to 1942. And they were... Pilots of the U.S. Army, Air Corps, Navy, and Marine Corps incorporated before Pearl Harbor, but flew most of their missions after the U.S. entered World War II. So they flew with Chinese colors, but under American control on missions to bomb Japan and defend China. So that's mm. why, and she was this uh, this target mm. on their fly paths. So... The orphanage was in direct line of fire for these Japanese bombers and the area was bombed significantly during this time. Mm. In 1943, the Japan the Japan, the Japanese got really close to Inshi, and rumors were that they would uh, try to invade and take over the city. So Gertrude and her fellow missionaries and staff had to determine what to do to keep these 60 orphans safe because now mm. they were in danger of essentially being bombed out of their homes or uh, or killed. The teachers decided to take the older orphans out into the countryside and find shelter with Christian families that were out in the country away from where the bombing was happening. Uh, but there were 22 baby girls, all under the age of two, and 13 of them were still in diapers.
2: Oh. <sighs> right. so, wow. what are you
0: going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the teachers and staff decided that they should be moved to a safer place. Makes sense. That's so a good choice. Yeah. That safer place was 200 miles away. Oh, uh, so huh. Gertrude. Holy <laughs> cow. Oh my goodness. So Gertrude, the matron of the orphanage, and two nurses volunteered to take them over land to one scene, which is now part of Wanju. If you Google one scene, you won't really find it. It's part of Wanju. Okay. Um, China. It's like part of this bigger metropolitan area. Huh. So one scene is 100 miles northwest of NC as the crow flies but they had to travel 200 miles on foot to get there. So that's 200 miles through the mountains on foot with 22 babies during a war wow. with risk of being with bombed. Diapers. With oh, diapers. How put. is this not a movie yet? That's what I was thinking. Like this is crazy. Like <sighs> who, criminal. Who would do, who would do that? That is how? an intense journey.
2: But tell us more. How did they actually, like, what are the logistics? How, logistically,
0: how did this work? So they put the babies into cribs, uh-huh. and the cribs had two poles on the, or had a pole that two male laborers would carry. So if you think about it, there would be two guys with a pole with a crib hanging off of it. Oh so geez. they would put either two or four children in each crib, depending on how big uh-huh. the babies were. Wow. They would tie them down so they wouldn't fall out. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Makes sense. I mean, it's like seatbelts. Yeah, it's like okay. seatbelts. <laughs> in the 19th, 1930s, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so they tied down the babies into cribs. and they had. So they also had these guys that were carrying uh, these cribs through the mountains. They packed extra cribs with clothing and food because this was going to be a several-day journey, and they had mm-hmm. to have clothing and food. As they were preparing to leave, they would have to take cover from the bombing raids because the planes would be flying over. Um, so they had to take cover several times before they could actually like leave and sheet to safety. They finally got the babies out into the countryside. They're walking along these paths uh, through the mountains with the babies in the cribs. Sometimes these paths would be right next to these steep drop offs that would, you know, like tumble down into these roaring mountain streams. Like you could hmm. just trip and fall to your death at any point. Um, and they were climbing up and over gigantic granite blocks. They were crossing mountains 6,000 feet high. Imagine climbing up 6,000 feet. To get over a mountain pass while you're carrying With eight babies on wow. your shoulders. while you're carrying babies and yeah. and food i mean this is it's this is like intense. you know the end of the sound yeah. of music
1: von trapp family yeah. Only yeah. instead of kids who can walk you have 22
0: babies in diapers uh-huh. oh my goodness so and they're responsible for the entire safety of all of these children oh, yeah. and the food and the clothing and it's it, oh, intense um to tap it all off, it pretty much downpour rained the whole time. So, oh. <laughs> uh, oh. so the rocks are wet, the cribs are getting wet, the babies are getting wet. Oh. So every night, um, they had to stop during their their ten day journey. They would stop every night um, in shelter at some point, and they would change the babies and they would wash the clothes and they'd have to dry them out in front of the fire. And they did this every night. And then wow. every morning, they got back up, clothed the babies, fed them. And then <laughs> and then they had to tie the babies back down into the cribs before they got they started going again. So this was an exhausting journey. These women probably got next to no sleep while they were trying to keep these babies safe. So long story short, they made it. They finally uh-huh. made it. They walked over the mountains. Everyone was safe. They made it to one scene. They named their new farmstead turned orphanage E1 Sorry, that was German, not that Chinese. Was so <laughs> German, e one shui, which means one cup of water, uh, for when the Bible talks about giving someone a cup of water to someone for Jesus' sake. So these babies would more than likely have died um, had these women not out of Christian love, cared for them, and sacrificed to themselves to move these babies. In the end, for Enshi, uh, the Japanese did not actually take Enshi and all of the rest of the missionaries who were left there and the pastor and all of them, um, they did not have to evacuate and they were safe, which was uh, probably a miracle to them. The babies made it, everyone was alive, and, and these babies grew up into children in and, 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 and this Christian orphanage, uh-huh. and it's beautiful. So Gertrude's story actually continues another 20 years wow. of selfless service in China and Hong Kong after the Communist Party took over in 1949. Uh, she was forced to evacuate Chongqing in 1949, but she discovered that when she got to Hong Kong, there was this huge mission field because Hong Kong was now under British rule post World War II and had all of these refugees from mainland China that were also escaping um, from the Communist Party. uh, She cared for so much for the Christian education of the residents and refugees in Hong Kong. One of her students, um, Dr. Andrew Chu, later became the president of the Hong Kong Lutheran Church, which is cool. And because of her great influence on Christianity, the Gertrude Simon Lutheran College was dedicated on November 10th, 1979 in Hong Kong, and it's still there. You can read her story in the book One Cup of Water on Amazon. Maybe from LWML too, but I got it on Amazon. And there's actually uh, stories of four other missionary women in China in this book. And the stories of all of them put together are a really incredible picture of what missionary work looked like Hmm. in China in uh, the mid-1900s. And what, what women were doing on the mission field at that point too. There's really inspiring, incredible things that women would oh, yeah. do to spread the gospel to people who really needed to hear it. So, and we still have stories of these missionaries. We have missionaries come back through the International Center here and tell their stories. And they're some of my favorite stories to share just because of how incredible it is and what these, what, what these people will do and the lengths that they will go through to talk about Jesus uh, to people who have never heard of him. Mm-hmm. So that's my story.
2: Wow. I'm just the good one. Applause for Gertrude. Yeah.
1: Gertrude's amazing. Wow. Yeah. just I mean, like if if Indiana Jones was a Lutheran woman missionary, it would be Gertrude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it it was like that. That's what it sounded like. This just this this amazing journey. Do we know if yeah. any of the
2: orphans that she worked with are still alive today?
0: I don't know that. But that would be find out. Presumably. I would yeah. imagine so. Yeah. Yeah, probably. If you're out there
2: and obviously listening to our podcast, because who doesn't listen to our podcast, join our Facebook group, the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge. But
0: you obviously. know the power of the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge Facebook group. We have found right. people before. Someone find me,
2: <laughs> We have <an> orphan, <laughs> who was rescued by Gertrude Ann Snow. Simon. One thing I, I love Simon. about
1: this story and all of the stories of Lutheran missionaries in China is this sense of urgency that they felt, because the mission mm-hmm. field there... Was not open very long.
0: No, it that
1: China was mm-hmm. closed off to Western influence for so long, and then it opened up, and then the Communists came in, and everyone was forcibly booted out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and yet, in you know, a matter of a few decades, where the Chinese mission field was open, our missionaries said, "Okay, we're going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to do as much as we can in the time that God gives us," and they did. They really mm-hmm. they threw themselves headfirst into this. And we may not see it. We probably will never meet one of the children who was by Gertrude Simon. But they're out there. there, And mm-hmm. they remember. And the stories, I'm sure, are told in different ways over yeah. there. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. So it's, I, I just love knowing that these Christian men and women took advantage, you know, while the field was open and ripe to get it done
0: Mm -hmm. and the legacy of of mission work in hong kong and taiwan is is still quite strong today with and honestly japan too and japan that was one
2: of the big fields that they moved missionaries to out of when they when china closed quite a few of them quite a few of those missionaries were actually sent to japan which Mm -hmm. was now post world war ii and that was a Remarkable start to the Lutheran Church in Japan. Yeah, as well.
0: Yeah, a long legacy of, of mm-hmm. very strong mission work. Yeah, which is really cool.
2: I want to just offer a shout out because we do actually have currently four, at least four. And if I'm forgetting one of you out there, I apologize. But four, four missionaries who are nurses.
1: Oh so yeah. So standing in the
2: legacy of, of mm-hmm. Gertrude Simon, we've mm-hmm. got Steph Schulte mm-hmm. and Sarah Kanoy. And Jamie Lynn Tinky mm-hmm. and Terza Cray. Yeah. Uh there's probably there's probably some others who have some training, but those are ones who I know are that's part of that's what they're called that's what they're that's what they're being sent to do is is use their their medical training to show the mercy of, of Christ. Yeah uh, in Africa and Latin America and and they actually often apply it even elsewhere. So
1: we also have uh, Lutheran school teachers who are serving in schools in Hong Kong. So it's it's amazing what God did in yeah, that,
0: yeah. In that yeah. time. The Holy Spirit works where the word is preached and that is a really really awesome thing uh, for our for all of our missionaries who have who have uh, shared the gospel of Christ over however long of a time period. And if you are a missionary out there in uh, Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast land uh, and you wanna share your story with us, please do go to our Facebook group. Uh, we, wanna, we wanna hear your story. You can also find all of the rest of our podcasting episodes at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies' Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel.